dude first of all thanks a lot for even considering jumping on this call i know that you're such a busy guy i don't know how you do it but uh, i'm grateful that you're here uh, and also, I, I think the busyness might yeah. be a little over exaggerated i'm not like that busy but i guess okay <laughs> good awesome um yeah so i mean for the for the slight sliver of people who don't know who you are uh, that's currently watching my videos i i remember seeing you a couple maybe two years back or a year back uh you were running ads uh, on instagram you know aggressively that's how i saw you and then i was like as soon as i saw you um uh, prior to seeing you i've seen i've i've been following gary vaynerchuk and all these guys and i saw like a bit of a similarity there i say okay you know the other sri lankan gary v cuz you're speaking very transparently and openly about you know you know running a business and stuff like that uh so yeah so as as far as i know i think you're the you're the chief growth officer of surge right at the mm-hmm. moment yeah could you yeah. just give just walk me through you know surge or like Yeah, Where so it I mean, like how it the, what I what I tell is because I like repeat this so much. Um, <laughs> I tell people, look, there's a YouTube video that I've made. If you watch that, like it covers everything. Right, but, right. But I'll, I'll like be very uh, succinct with this. So, Surge mm-hmm. is essentially a digital marketing company, right? It's it's right. very similar to what VaynerMedia is in the states. But I mean, we started mm-hmm. it. We didn't really know that this industry existed. Um, we started off as a gaming company like me and my friend we used to play lots of let's play like videos yeah. put it up on the right. internet people started watching mm-hmm. that content it was super weird yeah. um we weren't necessarily like good we were just creating content because it was fun yeah. um after a while we realized that you can monetize this you could put ads on it and it was like mind blowing for us and we right. wanted to follow like mm-hmm. a career in video games um i'm not sure if you're familiar but youtube mm-hmm. has this thing called mcns where you can like run ads on your content and start monetizing it uh we were approached by a couple of businesses that were large scale mcns and they wanted to see if they could sub license our platform um and what right. we did was we took that on board and started helping like these very obscure facebook game type uh, like content creators get their videos right. monetized on the internet and over a year mm-hmm. we i think it was like 680 million views we managed to monetize right. for about yeah. a couple hundred uh, people around the world we were in 60 different countries generating like mm-hmm. 40 to 50 million views every month and it was really fun and mm-hmm. uh, suddenly youtube decided in its you know typical youtube fashion we're going to pull the plug on you because we're no longer mm-hmm. going to allow the monetization of these mm-hmm. what they call sub networks unless you're in like a specific like region and you fit right. specific criteria so yeah. like we had the rug pulled under us i was doing mm-hmm. my levels not a great time right. Uh, right. I was studying to be a doctor because my mom, my dad, my brother, like my entire family is full of medical, like professionals. <laughs> They yeah. weren't too happy with it. I ended up blocking yeah. my levels, and right. uh, yeah. So what ended up happening was we had basically understood YouTube monetization, and this was mm-hmm. the time. This was about five and a half years ago. This was the time where people were really jumping on the YouTube bandwagon, especially in Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. So businesses right. realized, okay, you guys. You, you know you're doing gaming stuff but you kind of have kind of figured out youtube content creation can you help us mm-hmm. and we were like look you know it was super weird for us because all this time we were compensated based on the amount of content and the amount of views we generated but okay. for the first time someone's like you know we'll actually pay you for the video itself so it was super new and it was like an opportunity we wanted to explore plus like mm. we had lied to our parents we had told them that everything <laughs> was going fine don't worry about anything but yeah. 
you know, we couldn't pull that charade forever. So we, you know, jumped yeah. at the first opportunity we got in monetization. And that's mm. kind of how Surge was born. And over right. the last five years, we've grown. Um, we are now about like 40 people based in Colombo. Um, mm. And yeah, so we've kind of carved our niche in this consumer behavior meets growth kind of business. Um, mm -hmm. We've basically been fully functional for about three, four years. And then we were acquired by a private equity firm called Tavistock. And um, yeah, so mm -hmm. it's it's been one hell of a ride. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that's essentially, uh, I've watched that video multiple times uh, and I know the benefit. I, I know that you've said it so many times that uh, it's like in the back of your head. The main thing that I really want to focus on is that I've, I've had the privilege of sitting in uh, interviews and, you know, recruiting people. And the thing that I see a lot of in this country is their mentality towards doing a job, right? Everybody that comes in either has a bad experience or don't really want to do a nine to five. And they have this negative, uh, you know, approach towards, okay, you know what, I'm working, I'm having a job and I'm a 90s kid. Uh, so my generation is moving away from the traditional thing. And a lot of people like I'm watching you and, you know, a lot of people, they're making jobs for themselves where they can do it online and, you know, monetize their passions, right? And it, when I speak to them, it comes with a lot of how they, you know, have their mindset since, you know, doing their A-levels, right? And we, it's also reinforced with parents saying, okay, what's your doctor, lawyer, engineer job, uh, plan, right? Um, that's what a lot of people are, you know, finding out to get out of. What about you? Like when you were doing your A-levels, right? Like what made you say, you know what, I don't want to go down that path where your parents are academic and that that's to what was that story? <laughs> so it, it wasn't like this single decision, like, okay, mm -hmm. medicine is not for me. I think okay. one of the turning points was, um, I'm not academically bad. Like I right. studied like a week before all levels. Um, I have seven A's. It's to be right. like wow. in my family, right. seven A's is considered like, holy shit, you're like miserable. My brother, oh, like, just to give you some context, like my brother <laughs> got nine A's, one B, um, and right. he cried for a week because he had a B. Oh my and gosh. <laughs> every time my like parents really yeah. like talk about it, they would mm -hmm. tell their friends and family like, oh, he failed his Olivers, right? Because he has a B. So that's the kind of background that I was coming in. Yeah. Um, okay. Wow. That's how did you break a, away from a, that? Not easy, right? Like, which is why I lied, right? Like, so mm. the mm. problem was like during my level exams, I remember there was like this one biology question where you had to name five animals that I, I don't remember exactly. I think it was like name five crustaceans or, some, or something. And I added yeah. animals that were technically crustaceans but <laughs> they weren't in the answers sheet therefore mm. i did not get marks and okay. to me that was like wait, wait wait so you're telling me i'm right but i'm not going to get any marks because mm. it's not in the mm. answer sheet that was crafted like i don't know 20 mm. years ago at the time right so that yeah. really pissed me off and i think after right. that it was just like a series of tiny events where i was like okay right this is clearly not for me and while I was in my, so this was 2013. So while I was doing my A-levels, YouTube had really just started kicking off and I was making some money. Um, right. Like the, behind me, there's like this entire collection of like manga and stuff. Right, and can see. <laughs> that's what I did with like the first couple of paychecks I got, right? Because all, all my mm. money came into PayPal. 
I couldn't really do anything with it. So I just started spending away on like video games and just stupid shit mm-hmm. on the internet that I bought. So I was mm-hmm. doing okay. Um, at mm-hmm. 2013, I was um, probably like, I was like 19 years old. I was making like two, three thousand dollars a month. And mm-hmm. when you're in that position, you're like, okay. And look, I come from a point of privilege. I right. don't have to worry about my parents putting food on the table. I don't have to pay rent. Right. Like, I don't have to worry about the actual problems that people go through, right? So right. obviously I had a step up, but mm-hmm. I was looking at it like, okay, wait a second. So realistically, if I can continue doing this, it, I could manage without going down that path. I didn't necessarily have to be a doctor because the reason that my parents wanted me to be a doctor is so that I could be like successful in life and financially right. be stable and all of that. Right. Yeah. And all my teachers are like, don't play video games. There's no future in that. And if and in my head, like in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, wait a second. I like none of these things add up. I mm-hmm. make more money doing this than majority right. of the people doing their entire life doing like following their parts. So I'm like, I guess it was worth a shot. So I just really followed that. And one thing led to another. It wasn't right. planned. I didn't really think of, okay, this is what I had to do. I just realized mm-hmm. I would not be okay in an environment where I say the right things, but are technically wrong because someone else's right is slightly different from mine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I, I guess that would really be like the starting point, but there's no like one defining moment. Right. right, 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 right. Yeah, okay, cool. So like when I saw you, okay, you had been running uh, um, Instagram ads aggressively. What was what was that? Because I feel like, you know, that that just broke the cliche uh, for everybody to be like, you know what, I don't want to run, run ads on my channel, this and that. But as soon as it has started happening, just a wave came over and I, I adopted it as well. And I found a little bit of success here and there doing it as well. What, when you started doing it, what was, because you were a personal brand, you were, you know, even yeah. though you had Surge, you were promoting Banuka. Um, and what, you know, drove you to just get on that uh, train? So mixed reactions, right? People, mm-hmm. there's like a group of people that are like, oh my God, look at this narcissistic piece of shit that yeah. thinks it's okay to run ads on himself. And right. then another group of people trying to understand why am I burning money on this? Mm. Um, right. I think, like I wrote an article about this back then, but mm-hmm. the cost, so Instagram stories were new. I had like mm. two or 3,000 people following my content and I had like right. 500 people every single day tuning into what I was creating. So I was like, wait a mm-hmm. second, that is insane organic reach. And right. Instagram story ads were so underpriced at the time in Sri Lanka, Mm. the cost of like a thousand views was in the cents. So I could spend like a dollar and reach 10,000 people. And to me, that was like a no brainer. Like, obviously there's going to be a massive group of people that are going to be turned off by this. That's okay. The content I'm creating is to appeal to this very small section of the demographic. I kind Mm. of understood who those people are and why they're tuning into the content that I created. So I figured, you know what, screw Mm. it. I am more than happy to make content as long as it adds some sort of value along the way. Um, I stopped doing that when those pricing matrixes no longer made sense and and everyone started doing it and then people kind of tuned off to the self-promotional thing, Um, which if you look at it now, there's like a lot of, oh, look at my Lamborghini. I have made this kind of money, blah, blah, blah. Follow me, buy my course. That became a bit of an issue. So I'm like, okay, I'm stepping Mm. off the pedal. But I think for about six months, I just created some content and published it and it worked out. Like I, Facebook gives you really cool targeting. I remember at one Mm. point, I even ran ads for people that really disliked the type of content that I put 
with a frequency oh, cap wow. saying, hey, this is an ad. You're yeah, I remember. I, see, I saw that. Swipe. I saw that. <laughs> so yeah. it, it, it was just a fun mm. thing to do and it was inexpensive. Yeah. So I just right. like sw- took a swing at it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty because because I remember when I first saw this, I worked. I know you, you're like a corporate guy, but essentially, if you look at your lifestyle, it's a freelance lifestyle where you're working 24-7. You're on the clock, you're passionate about because it's your own thing, right? And a lot of freelancers also, you know, they build, work on their own brand or their own thing. Um, and uh, something that for me, even for me to reach out, I know it's very difficult because it's not like you're, you know, you have free time here and there. You're on it all the time. Um, so when you were, you know, creating these ads and putting, I, for me, when I, what I was seeing is, wait a minute, I work for a corporate and you were showing the work culture that you had as well, right? At office, especially at Surge Global. Um, that's something that I, you know, implemented to the, the place that I was working and back then I was, you know, at, at grassroots levels and it has changed my uh, entire organization and the company in this country to the better, right? So let's talk about office culture. Like, workplace culture because that's something that you spoke about a lot and that's something that resonated with me as well with you what's wrong with the office culture in sri lanka right now in most companies and 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 i'm not gonna say this is a sri lanka problem like this is a problem everywhere else. right right um because like the and part of the reason we ran ads and kind of showed Mm -hmm. that to the people in sri lanka because we didn't really worry about our customers seeing our content because our customers weren't mm. local. Our customers were in the rest mm. of the world. So like by limiting okay. targeting criteria, we know who we're talking to, right? Uh, right? People didn't know this existed. People thought that the only way to get mm. a you know decently paying job is to work at a large bank or a telecommunications company, work like kill yourself for like a decade and then eventually you right. climb up the ranks and you get paid. Um, right. The world has changed so much. There is mm. a... Like, and I, I honestly thank the internet. It has created so much opportunity for people and businesses to go out there and do their own thing and add value to like niche groups of people in the way they know how. Um, yeah. And because of that, we can see this culture changing, right? Like the, like, I, and I think I've told you about one of the projects that we launched recently called Rooster in the recruitment yeah. space was yeah. addressing that, right? Businesses have this really focused uh, like they've kind of driven this narrative saying okay people aren't reliable we invite you to an interview but half of the mm. people that get invited don't show up and, and stuff like that yeah. and like people are essentially unaccountable but yeah. no one really keeps businesses to that same standard right because uh, mm. people don't talk about pay they uh, like i've spoken to people in agencies that are seated next to each other that are doing mm. the same job and one person's making twice as much as money as the other one. And there is yeah. a massive asymmetry of information. And hmm. no one's like, wait, dude, that's not okay. Like someone has to change yeah. that, right? Yeah. Um, at, at Surge, what we decided was, look, if you want to check, like talk about anyone's salaries, talk about it. It's out there. It's open. Um, if right. you were applying to the business, you can go to surge.global forward slash salary. And mm. it'll tell you you know, what you could potentially make, right? Um, right? And, you know, it was so weird that, I, and we did it because we wanted to let people know that, you know, this is shitty, this shouldn't have been the way it right. has been, and we need to look at changing that. It has helped yeah. us attract what we believe are a better group of people. So, like, right. Surge is a services business. We need to make sure we have access to the best talent. If we can't, we're not right. going to do well. Um, okay. 
so yeah i mean we've kind of seen this transparency and this um thing that everyone like businesses make a lot of money by being opaque mm. they right. can screw you around they can right. like not give you the right information you can make terrible decisions where you're miserable the company's not getting good work out of it and mm. like you're wasting everyone's time and contributing to like a very inefficient economy which doesn't necessarily make sense for us so we're like forget screw mm. it like if if we don't pay well enough well at least you know we don't really have to have this dance around seven mm. interviews to know that whether you should join or not um right. and also it lets us tell people look these are the skills that you need if you can mm. deliver on them this is what we can pay you so you don't right. have to worry about what is career progression like those mm. kind of questions should be answered before you can start so you know what things you need to do to improve and right. like for us the single biggest issue is this information asymmetry and it's the lack of transparency in business and mm. if that is taken away it builds a phenomenal culture now i'm not saying we have the perfect culture in all the businesses that we're involved in but of course yeah it's such a obvious thing to do and the only reason why people wouldn't do it is oh, no. because there is like it causes a lack of profit yeah. for businesses in some instances oh Right, right. Yeah, I think I, I think I, I, lo- I lost you for a second there. But yeah, I got, I got, I got the gist of uh, what you're saying, and that's, I mean, like, okay, transparency. You mentioned transparency, right? That's that's something that uh, is such a gray area uh, when it comes to working. Because I've, because I've, me being in that recruitment position, and you know, finding out what other companies do, how like. how important is transparency among just a team like you know like especially when it comes to corporate where the standard model is you know what transparency is not that great but obviously it's being proven wrong with you know modern day cultures and modern day companies coming and setting up which a lot of sri lankans are not aware to a lot of sri lankans that are just coming into the job market and are coming um, into they think that the 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 norm is secrecy right uh what what are the benefits when it comes to like a team working together when it comes to transparency in your opinion so the the thing about secrecy right is because mm. it's this like the stigma and narrative that has been built mm. for such a long time um yeah people don't discuss how much money they make it, it's almost yeah. taboo to talk about how much money you make because like the way i view it is the only time you should try to hide those numbers is mm. if you're like scamming the tax office and then <laughs> you know which is a reasonable reason to hide it right but yes. yeah. it's 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 so bizarre for us what we've seen is we are able to do really good work when the team trusts each other completely and everyone knows everyone has their backs for mm. us to be in a situation where that is the standard is they need to know what's on the table like i mm. need to know that what i'm doing is the right thing and you know having these levels of transparency really helps building that trust it's not the only thing that's required but it is so important you you feel like weird right like if you're working right. doing something and someone else is doing something else but the the pay disparity is there and you can't justify mm. it Right. And, like, and they're constantly insecure about a job as well, right? Yeah, because no yeah. one has told you, and you are mm. supposed to make up this, you know, roadmap in your head, and you can't. There's no way you have enough information. 
and that's a big problem. Um, yeah. Big organizations are the ones that should really be pushing the envelope here, but mm-hmm. they have so much to lose because of that. And mm-hmm. the businesses aren't designed in a way to support them, right? Like if you look at the businesses where you have 20, 30 year old people like that have been with the company for 20, 30 years, right. they're kind of stuck there. Like you can't, it's so mm-hmm. much work to change. So what we've decided was even, you know, companies we work with, whenever we work with startups and whenever we work with small businesses, we kind of help them guide through this process because these kind of decisions have to be designed into your business model. If not, it doesn't scale. Right. Right. Hmm. Okay. I, I, like another thing I want to really prick your brain about is like shitty managers, right? That's something that, um, like I have this philosophy usually because the kind of people I've hired so far are, um, or have been people that we don't need a specific skill, right? If you have a good work ethic, we can train you on the job. So that's that's what it has been. So I would I would always preferred having school leavers because they haven't worked with city managers and their whole work ethic and their um, whole motivation to do a job hasn't uh, uh, hasn't been tarnished. Is that that's what I really want to say? So I mean, if you for people who are under like city managers who have no choice to other than to you know work in that position or a city organization, right? Because that makes life a lot worse than it should be in your head how can they um you know like make the situation better for them like in sri lanka in the context of today in sri lanka because we are in a special age we are in a special time period where you know people are walking around with masks um how do you deal with a bad boss like i attribute a lot of shitty managers to shitty mm-hmm. business models because right. okay like well, that makes sense. A, yeah. a shitty yeah. manager is a point of view, right? I mm. can be really good to someone, like in the point of view, versus someone else that who will let go, looking at me like, "Oh, this dude is obviously full of shit. He has no idea what he's talking about." Okay. Um, like, if you look at our businesses, right? Majority of mm. the people in the business actually know um, our P and L, how much like we charge our customers what the breakdown of costs are and they're involved in actual decision making um and i think because it it all comes down to visibility right if someone who's joining the business doesn't necessarily know what they're trying to achieve as an organization like what are they trying to do right if you Mm -hmm. like i'll give you an example um surge is in the business of helping businesses grow it's fairly Mm -hmm. straightforward the way we make money is we charge for services that we do it's predominantly around uh, marketing creative analytics uh, managing ads and those kind of stuff so Mm -hmm. if people that are working in the business don't know what our kpis are what our metrics of success are the managers of the team can't really understand what it is that we're trying to doing so because Mm -hmm. of these things and businesses working in silos it just starts, you know, creating this rift and people not knowing what the micro goal versus the macro. They can't see big picture. Mm. And it's because you've designed this environment where you, you actually can't see the big picture because you've been right. hidden from it. Um, mm. and, and you're given this tiny piece of the puzzle saying, okay, fix this. So they can only view the world in that mm. little framework, mm. right? right? Now, the problem with this radical transparency approach is that, well, they will know everything. And and you as a business, you as a, like, as a CEO or as a manager mm-hmm. in a business need to know that, you know, 
this is a lot of information right. how do you manage this because mm. you can also get down in the weeds and like try to go down a rabbit hole um so it's tricky right <laughs> yeah but we've realized that there's a lot more to gain with that transparency than there is to mm. lose because the only thing mm. is people can technically take your ip and try to replicate what you've done um mm-hmm. i i i know this is funny but we had like three or four people in the business at one point that were like fairly close to leadership and they were helping us with project management development design the amongst the four of them uh, they had mm-hmm. enough skills to kind of replicate a certain level of the work that we do um right like they they broke off they started their own things said hey we mm-hmm. are now a growth business this is what we do and like you know i've been following them for a while from the like outskirts and you re- you realize like look it's a lot harder than you think like just because mm-hmm. you have a skill doesn't necessarily mean you can go ahead and replicate it and do that and right. and realistically if it could be done that easily then you haven't really built anything of significant value anyway right mm. so being able yeah. to understand that is critical so for us mm. it's always been like we are transparent people that are working in our business can see the contracts can see who we are working with and why and right. those metrics for us has really been the game changer and it starts building that culture because people that are working in the business know that they've like the business has their back um when covid-19 broke loose and things were going to shit like companies did not have money um we were yeah. having to make this really difficult call because we had to decide what to do because in march we were like it's the end of the financial year that's when yeah. we were giving our bonuses and yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> and and here we are people are like okay pay cut for you pay cut for you pay cut for you oh, okay. you guys are like and and we had like we were going to this point where we had slowly built up this pile of cash and um we we had a steady growth over the last year and we're like mm. okay if we do this we are yeah. increasing salary by an average of 20 25% across the business yeah. we are paying roughly 2 months of pay um to a bunch of people like we had 40 people at the time and you know we are about to go into this shit show is this the right call to do yeah. to make right mm. and 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 then at the same time we're like you know we talk about people are our number one asset we're a services company we care about the people we care about the culture it's times like now that we actually have to show that and not just like freaking put it up on the about us section of the website like you have to mm. you know commit so yeah. we decided screw it like we're going to figure out how to manage the revenue if that means that mm-hmm. things go to shit we lose customers and we have to raise capital again or go into debt we'll do it mm-hmm. um, and we made that call and like knock on wood so far we're good like we haven't really yeah. lost anyone because of covid in fact we've started getting more work um, nice. <laughs> but, that's good that's you know, good yeah those are really tough decisions to make mm. and people in the business because they have that level of transparency know that you've made those decisions they know the implications mm. of those decisions and you know the the board decided we are not going to take a dividend this year right um oh wow like i'm a 42% shareholder of the business when i wow. when the company says we're not taking a dividend i'm putting money on the table and saying screw it i don't want it we want it to go back into our people um right. Now it's That's been amazing. like 4 yeah. months since then. 
we're at a point where we have never been more financially stable. We have wow. a pretty like if all of our customers stop paying us from today onwards, we can still pay everyone current rates for like three, four months before we even have to consider a pay cut. And that's a really nice place to be. Right. Um, nice. But, you know, it requires making some really tough decisions. And mm-hmm. if you are talking about you're going to stand behind your people, you have to show it. I think you essentially just told me something that was in my head as well. You know what? You have employee. You you are in charge of, you know, easily a, a, a pretty big number of, you know, personal working for your company. Do you see the transformation of how when an employee walks in through the through the doors for the first time and the point where, you know what, it takes some time for the for the, for the employee to care about the company, right? Yes, they are, you know, they're walking in, they're getting a salary, they're doing a job. But there's a transition phase where, you know what, the goals of the company and what the company stands for align with the employees and they start caring about the company. And I think, you know, not doing, a, not having a pay cut and, you know, going through with the bonuses certainly facilitates that. Because uh, then, you know, they even give more than, uh, they want to give more to the company because the company is very uh, looking after their people. Uh, is, is how, okay, we have salary and we have bonuses. How much of impact does that, does culture play on the mindset of an employee to care about the company? As in addition to, you know, having the basics as salary and uh, uh, benefits and all of that. Look, like the way I look at it is you need to believe in what the business is trying to achieve mm-hmm. um, at some fundamental level. Like, right. as as long as that's there mm-hmm. I think the next most important thing is the quality of people in the team right. and you know like, like what we try to do is have like this basic asshole test mm. um, where you know when you hire someone like the, the first thing in everyone's mind is is this person an asshole right. I, like I remember where one interview there was this guy that was like really good that we had like four people in the interview room and he shook hands with everyone besides the one woman in the room and like oh, wow. wow that's a really shit thing to do yeah um, <laughs> and you know <laughs> like he he fits price he fits mm. skill set and we were desperately looking to hire for a project that we signed up on for right. and you know like just being able like as soon as he walked out everyone looked at each other and like yeah not gonna work right so I think that is a massive problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's the kind of thinking that we need. You know, doesn't mean like every decision we've made is right. right. Like we've had people that uh, join, you realize that they're toxic and they're going to start ruining the culture that you've built. Right. Like we let them go. Mm. Um, um, this this month, uh, or sorry, last month, like we had to let a couple of people go that were relatively new hires. Right. and. It wasn't because we had a COVID-related issue. It's because they just did not feel fit into the culture. Right. And and something you touched upon as well, uh, Lahiru, was that when someone joins, they you know you guys are looking for freshers mm-hmm. because they haven't gotten like bad experiences, companies and they don't have bad habits. But like you know, if you're in a business which requires a certain level of uh, statistical skill and experience, mm-hmm. like you know, we manage millions and millions of dollars of media. Um, we right. can't have someone who hasn't yeah. gotten experience to play around with that, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, unfortunately, it's one of those things where it's, it's a bit of a trial and error where we 
try to get the right person and mm. if they're not the right fit you just let them go as quickly as possible right. the the fact that everyone else is busting their balls trying to move the business forward mm-hmm. they see that and hopefully what ends up happening from that is that it it builds a sense of loyalty it builds a sense mm-hmm. of camaraderie to work together to achieve everyone's goals but if it doesn't work it doesn't work and you have to cut the cord as soon right, as possible right i'm just saying Uh, we have a we have a brilliant ops guy in the business. Right. Um, our CEO, he enjoys firing people. Like, <laughs> I can't do that. Like, I I cannot do that. And yeah. he enjoys doing it. So I'm like, great, no. this is the perfect co- like combo. Yeah. I'm out. Do your thing. <laughs> we are in a situation. I made a video a, a couple of days back saying, for some of us, we are in like a perfect situation with the whole COVID thing. As bad as it sounds. simply because a lot of you know opportunities are going to just suddenly come up you know people business are going business are going to look at people who don't have the overheads of an of a advertising agency or like a production house who can make things quickly and fast with their own hands as long as you know like a basic skill and you can monetize right and that's how i i'm that's where my mindset is at and that's why what i'm trying to tell anybody who watches it that it's not all bad right there are so many services that people are looking for uh to you know either make a video or you know come up with a marketing campaign for for a lower cost you know you as an individual can go and uh, if you have these skills what are your thoughts on that like in, in in sri lanka right now where you know people are just adopting the whole e-commerce uh you know culture of working and working at home so couple of things i actually like wrote a post about this mm-hmm. i sent you before the call yeah, as well yeah. but, you know in 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 any recession mm-hmm. or any economic shift there are winners and losers um unfortunately the covid situation there are realistically more losers than there are winners mm-hmm. um but it it still creates opportunity yeah. i think if you can observe what is really happening right in in sri lanka the reason that we believe e-commerce is picking up is because well you don't really have a choice if you want to eat yeah. you have to get it yeah. now that doesn't necessarily mean that e-commerce is the future. Right. So like my mom mm. now knows how to use Uber Eats and pick me foods really well, right? Yeah. right? I read that She is not yeah. the most technologically yeah. advanced person. But what's happening is the next time there is, you know, like be it a consumer internet app or anything comes out, she's going to be more open-minded about the internet. Right. So I think the real difference in at like in a local level like in Sri Lanka is that we have like a layer of trust around the internet has been built mm. and that infrastructure is spreading. Right. It's not spreading as nearly fast as enough. Mm. But it doesn't mean you need to jump on e-commerce, right? Like it means that there is some sort of opportunity that's opening up because information going from point A to point B has been incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has slowly like built up over time and now the pool of people that you could ex- access. Like Sri Lanka has a 22 million population. 7 million million active internet users right that 7 million is going to grow mm-hmm. um depending on who you're going to speak to they're going to give you a number between 6 to 10 but realistically right. like seven stable connections mm-hmm. um that number is going to grow and that changing is a really really powerful thing and whatever you're doing mm-hmm. and like when you mentioned that businesses are looking for flexibility and that's what they've looked for all the time mm. the reason is like 
when you grow too fast, you become comfortable. Mm. You have enough revenue in the bank, and right. you know you start buying these pool tables and. <laughs> you realize mm. that value is created mm. in a small portion it's not created everywhere mm. and you have to start optimizing for value right. when there is a cash crunch people will spend money on the things that are they consider the most valuable mm. like what we say is if you're letting go of your team you are making an and you're not cutting spend in different places right. you are making a discerning choice saying that this is what i value more than the other right. and like money as a construct mm. is an exchange of value. Right, 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 right. right and yeah. that's all there it is. So the value chain across things mm-hmm. over the last 60, 90 days mm. have changed so dramatically where, you know, things that you thought were incredibly important just completely disappeared. You can mm. live without it. And now you've place that same value on things that are more important and viable for you now. Um, Like if you take the e-commerce component in Sri Lanka, Mm -hmm. I think after like in a couple of weeks, that's going to die down really quickly, but it's still going to leave an opening for a lot of new things to change Mm -hmm. and a lot of new things to happen. And that's where we are focusing on. Right. Right. Interesting. To end things off, you know, like last year, me personally, I went through my uh, f- like a first big financial loss, right, uh, with investing and stuff. And I know there's no like, I don't know if there is a direct straightforward answer to this or if there is like a, a gray area. How how would somebody deal with loss? Because I know so many people, as soon as you get that first blow or that first loss when it comes to a project or a huge venture that they're going through, they break down and then that's it. Like they don't go after it how how would you say the best way to start off uh, is it surrounding yourself with the right people um what's the major it it's i'm conflicted right, right. so over the last 60 days mm-hmm. we had a project that we were betting very heavily on like i personally had like like overall cash of like 50 to 100 million rupees just disappear oh, wow. because of covid and a whole bunch of other stuff it's not yeah. fun yeah. at all mm-hmm. um it, it it was a comp- like i'll give you the details another time but yeah. you know you don't really have a choice in the matter like things right. happen mm-hmm. and you have one of two options to like you have one or two things you can do one you can figure out an alternative mm-hmm. you can try to do something else or you give up um, yeah. and I know it's going to sound very cliche as, oh, never give up to your thing and whatever. Uh, but like it yeah. sucks and more often than mm. not, things will not work out. What you can do is use mm. the information you have to make the best possible decision. Some of them it's going to work out. Some of them's not, um, right. you know, I, I wish there was a better answer to that. <laughs> and there really isn't like right. shit happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, um, could, could you talk yeah, about like so. like uh, lastly, just touch about you know like because so, I because I feel like this is where a lot of people are going wrong is like so how important is surrounding yourself with the right people in your craft, just not in your personal life, but like it's 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 everything, right? Mm-hmm. Because like honestly, like I think a lot of people think I've absolutely lost it because of the whole like the rooster thing over the last couple of weeks. I've gotten zero sleep. People right. are like, are you sure you're okay? You know, you haven't really moved an inch and 
it's just being able to talk to people with you at the same wavelength mm-hmm. who are going through similar situations who have gone through similar kinds of adversity mm-hmm. just being able to understand who those people are and communicate with them bounce ideas off of them it is everything right um i could have like i am here talking to you today about all sorts of this stuff right mm-hmm. but at the end of the day i'm doing very little bit like little of the work mm-hmm. uh the group of people that we work with right now is about 200 people right. across all these businesses mm-hmm. they are the guys that are pulling the weight right. they are the guys that are doing the right thing the only thing that i'm good at is like i just happen to have this skill where i can communicate on camera and mm-hmm. it occasionally works but right. <laughs> that 200 people like making sure that whether it's in your personal life and don't take my advice for it but like whether it's in your personal life or it's in business you just need to find the right group of people because mm. if you don't like imagine like doing this shit is hard anyway yeah. right like you are like the odds of succeeding are so fucking stacked against you mm. imagine doing that with assholes so <laughs> what what we say is look yeah. just find it's having the right team is one of the most important things and yeah. if you can't get them at the start figure out how to get them as soon as possible right dude i mean thanks a lot man i am so grateful that you you know dropped in and took the time to just speak to me i definitely want to have a round two when we are in a better place so people can move around and i can get get you to my office in which is in colpity and we can you know do a proper session with where i have more control over the quality of lights and sound um because i am a stickler for that my channel is all about you know video and audio even though the content is um important like the threshold of quality is so easy to achieve which is why i'm grateful <laughs> that you're recording it on the side as well um dude man i thank thank you so much for j- dropping in there's so many questions i want to speak to you about definitely we'll do a part 2 and part 3 maybe when things get easier um you are banub uh, on all socials right you uh, even on uh Yes, even on uh, YouTube. Awesome. I put uh, all the links and definitely dude, I'm you are inspiring me a lot, you know, and I and, you know a lot of the culture or the workplace that I do, I do build uh, somewhat similar to what you do or at least I try to because I see it working for you and I'm hey, you know, might as well give it a shot. And you are helping a lot of people walk away from the conservative norms that do exist. So, hats off to you on that man. I appreciate it. Well, I'm glad I could help.